0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson.
0: Hello, folks, and welcome to AOA. Thanks for tuning in this Monday, May 16th. I did announce on Friday that Senator Charles Grassley will be joining us today, but I I do have bad news. The senator, just like the rest of us, gets caught in travel troubles, and he had a flight cancellation this morning, currently in the air on the way to D.C. We will be checking in with Senator Charles Grassley later on this week, so tune in on Thursday morning, and we'll hear from the senator. In the meantime, on today's show, we are going to talk the week. Mark, Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis joins us here later on in the show. We're going to talk about just what's happening here in wheat as it goes parabolic on the board today. In segment 2, John Boranic of DTN Weather will be with us and Well, part of the reason wheat's going nuts is weather, and John will share share with us what to expect later on this week. And in segment three, we're gonna hear from Jackie Fatka. We had some big announcements made on Friday from the Biden administration that impact agricultural trade. Jackie will help us break all of that down. But first, folks, let's talk about this wheat market. Reuters had a story out this morning that said birds are dying at a record pace. They're literally falling from the sky in Gujarat State in India because it is that dry. And it is that hot, Darren Newsom. That's moving the wheat market today, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Good morning, Mike. I mean, that that can't be a good sign when birds are falling dead from the sky. That has to be some sort of omen of something. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything seems to be coming together right now in the wheat market uh, over the weekend. India announced it was going to ban exports for the last couple of weeks. They've been talking about it, uh, and this comes at a time when. You know the world is trying to reshuffle the deck as to who is going to provide you know wheat to customers around the world. Uh, India was going to increase its exports a bit. It usually is self sufficient, uh, doesn't export that much, so it was going to get in the game. You've got U.S., Canada, Australia, but Canada and the United States both facing some some severe uh, drought situations. Uh, Cutting into the U.S. winter wheat crop, and certainly looking like it's going to hurt the spring wheat crop across the north across North America again this year. It's a it's a tight situation.
0: It, it is a tight situation. Darren, the markets are reacting today. Wheat, all three classes up. Oh, geez, forty to sixty cents here now. Where do you see the the big? push in this market continuing to happen is it going to be Chicago Kansas City Minneapolis where do you see the move r- r- really growing
2: yeah all of the above you know if we want to take the global situation into account it's going to be the Chicago market um, right you know initially what we're looking at is the U.S. hard red winter crop rather uh, one trading uh, with Kansas City futures is just being destroyed across the southern plains I've been hearing reports that some of the crop's already been zeroed out. Others are going to be forced to harvest uh, this crop, even though it's not going to yield much of anything. And so then you've got all the cost and expense of of running combines over it. So, you know, it's the big picture situation, certainly going to play out in Chicago. It's the world's largest futures contract for wheat. Uh, So certainly we can keep track of it there. But then we break into the, you know, the hard red winter crop, which, strong demand for last year's supply has basically depleted what we have on hand uh, and now with hard red spring not only getting in unable to get in the ground to follow up uh, last year's short crop due to a, due to a drought it's it's going to be all three markets but the big picture will be in Chicago
0: well in that Chicago market Darren on the commitment of traders reports are we still seeing that outside money move into the Chicago contract
2: yeah starting to come back in um, the Chicago uh, the Chicago market has was quiet there for quite some time but now we're starting to see more money moving back into the market it's it still has room to the upside which is what I find interesting as far as rebuilding their position from from what it fell to so last the last showing uh, this was last Friday showed the net long futures of about twenty one thousand seven hundred contracts. Uh, recently at least here in 2020 or late 2021 that was a high of about 41,500 contracts so you get news like what we saw this weekend we get weather situations like what we see across uh, the northern and southern plains and you get you know this continued war in ukraine russia's war on ukraine and i think that that long position is going to continue to build the big question is who's willing to buy it is is wheat still an investment buy up at these levels? I mean, we're talking about the July contract right now, uh, up around 12 and a half. Who's willing to buy at that level? I think fundamentally it's still a buy, uh, but now we have to see if the actual investment firms feel the same way.
0: Darren, same question, different topic. Minneapolis, that spring wheat contract at 1375, are you a buyer here given that it's so early yet in the growing season?
2: You almost have to be. Again, uh, you know, if we look at the – and I know that some of the future spreads are very lightly traded in Minneapolis, but if we look at those future spreads, we are inverted. There's, There's no carry whatsoever in any of those spreads, and that's telling us the market's saying, you know, and, we're, and this is fundamentally bullish. We just don't have any spring wheat. We had low production last year, and so you know, merchandisers had to go over into the hard red winter to buy blending stock, which lowered the stocks of hard red winter. And now all of a sudden with spring wheat, both in the U.S. and Canada, it's been too wet for much of the area to, to get it planted. So it's way behind in planting. Uh, and so all of a sudden we're starting to talk about less possibility for production here in 2022. So yes, I think even at these levels, you could, you could view wheat, all three classes, including Minneapolis, as a buy at these levels.
0: The other question, Darren, then, from the grower's perspective, it's not yet a selling opportunity, right? If you're talking spring wheat, it sounds like you're willing to hold off here on making some sales.
2: Well, it's tough, because I know some folks have made some, some sales, because you know, these are incredible prices and, and and you can make some sales in here but the problem is are you going to have any production i'm hearing from folks again in the southern plains who are saying there's going to be a lot of unfilled contracts and then that opens a whole other set of problems uh, so you know production in wheat is is a, is a, is a problem that is not as severe when you, when you're starting to talk about corn and soybeans and so on you can have all or nothing in the wheat market. And right now it looks like there's going to be a lot of areas with nothing. So if you're looking at forward contracting, you basically can't because you don't know what your production is going to be. You have no idea how good or how bad this crop is ultimately going to do.
0: And so to that end, we'll just sit and wait, Darren, that winter crop for growers who know they have something out there in the fields. Are you marketing at these levels or do you sit and wait a little longer?
2: If I'm marketing, I'm doing it by the spoonful at this point. I mean, I, I don't want to step in front of this market. It's great prices. Basis is, basis is holding together well. Uh, you've, got, you've obviously got a strong cash market. Uh, I would just sell ever so little at a time uh, because we don't know. We don't know how high this might go, and we don't know how long it's going to last. When it tops, it's going to crash. Uh, but it just fundamentally, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon.
0: All right, Darren, for folks who want to get more of your insight, where can they follow you?
2: Easiest way to do it is uh, to go to darrennewsom.com, the website, and uh, take a look at what we can talk about there.
0: Fantastic, folks. Check that out. Always appreciate Darren's comments and insights. That's Darren Newsom of darrennewsom.com. Darren, thanks for joining us today.
2: Ah, thanks for having me on again, Mike.
0: And folks, stick with us. John Baranek of DTN Weather will join us in just a few minutes with an update on what to expect from the sky this week. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the
1: whole reason we go to work every day. Senex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Senex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running. So you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now don't spend all that free time in one place unless it's the highway. Senex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS crop specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS crop specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's
5: quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceretirement.org now. That's aceretirement.org. A message from AARP
4: and the Ad Council.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
1: Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. Well, we just heard from Darren Newsome about how much the weather is driving the markets right now. That's pretty understandable for this time of year. Of course, as we get into that spring planting season, gear up for that winter wheat harvesting season, what comes from the sky moves the markets quite a bit. Well, joining me now is John Baranek of DTN Weather. John, thanks for joining us today.
6: Hey, thanks for having me on today, Mike. Appreciate that.
0: You know, I was thinking maybe we could start, John, by just doing a real quick global outlook. We just heard from Darren Newsom that drought in India certainly looks like it is creating some troubles. We're seeing dryness across the United States, across South America. Is there any place that has good weather globally right now, John?
6: Gee, really? It's kind of hard to find a spot that isn't having at least some issues, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, with, with India, the, uh, the drought and the heat really started back in, in late March and went through April. Um, you know, that's been a major concern. I know a lot of the folks out there uh, were kind of hoping to add to the uh, global market share here. But, um, you know, that really is, is putting a damper on things uh, with the weather recently. Uh, China's had some issues with some dryness and drought. Uh, Australia's had some flooding rains. Uh, in their eastern portions of their wheat belt as they're uh, planting their winter wheat. Uh, down in South America it has been kind of crazy where we've had, you know, we've talked about it a lot here on your program, but in other areas too, I mean, Argentina's been dealing with drought all uh, their season long. Now that they're getting into winter wheat season, uh, their wheat areas are drying up again too. Uh, we've got frost potential this week in southern Brazil for their safrina corn crop. And in central Brazil, uh, it's just been bone dry. Uh, as their dry season started early. Uh, if we go out to Europe, uh, we've got heat building across Western Europe. Uh, look, you know, it's it's not that hot. You know, temperatures kind of mid 80s to lower 90s, but that's about 20 degrees above normal for this time of year. And there's some dry pockets out there too. So we're seeing stress kind of build up there. Um, in kind of the Black Sea region of Ukraine and, and Western Russia, uh, we're dealing with some cooler temperatures out there. Soil moisture is actually pretty decent and, uh, you know, outside of the war, which, man, I, I don't know much about that. So I'll, I'll let some more better experts talk about how that's affecting crop production.
4: But Yeah,
0: uh, a little you know, different the challenges there in the Black Sea region besides weather.
6: Right, that's true. So, um, you know, so they, they've got that issue as well. And then, you know, Canada is a lot like uh, the Canadian prairies are a lot like uh, the Northern Plains where the eastern part, it's very, very soaking wet uh, and very cold. They've been basically at a standstill just waiting for soils to drain out there in Manitoba and eastern Saskatchewan to get out and plant some of their canola and winter uh, spring wheat as well. So, you know, just challenges abound just about everywhere in the world right now.
0: They certainly do. John, let's bring our focus a little bit closer to home, talk about the U.S., and let's pick it up there with that Red River Valley of the north, the northern plains, that wetness, that cold that has really had all tractors paused or stopped, or they're hooked up to running pumps to get some drainage ditches moved. When do you expect to see a break in the weather for those folks?
6: Gee, it's hard to really pick out something that's really extended. Uh, to see some good weather. You know, they, they had some okay weather over the weekend, and uh, that continues here for today. But, you know, we got another disturbance moving through tomorrow and uh, and Wednesday There was some more showers, and then a bigger system on Thursday and into Friday. And uh, the temperatures that follow that are going to be well below normal, some 15 to 20 degrees below normal. So, um, earlier, uh, last week, and over the weekend even, We were looking at uh, the potential for some accumulating snow again in North Dakota, Uh, models backed off on that. So that may or may not happen yet, but you know, it's just going to be cold behind the system going into the weekend. Um, And then the pattern just stays active going into next weekend into June as well. We don't see that changing. So it's going to be really difficult uh, to get out into the field, it looks like.
0: Well, as that cold front comes through, how far south is it going to spread? And is it going to bring any moisture to our friends in the southern plains?
6: Uh, well, it will be spreading moisture, but I don't know if it will get out there in the southwestern plains. Um, you know, from western Kansas to eastern Colorado, down south through west Texas. and may be some isolated showers here and there, but there, I don't really see anything uh, really significant where we're talking about widespread rainfall or anything super beneficial for a lot of folks out there, just some isolated areas. But that system will move through the rest of the country here uh, for late this week and weekend. We should expect some more organized showers and thunderstorms moving through. Chances for severe weather, especially across the northern tier of the country, Uh, the Midwest might have uh, several days of it here, uh, Thursday, Friday, and potentially even Saturday as well. And uh, so, you know, we're going to have some issues here. I know last week was really good about getting some planting done in the eastern Corn Belt. Uh, We saw some stalls over the weekend for for some showers. we got a few more here this week. But this one here late this week uh, into Saturday uh, looks like it uh, could slow things down yet again.
2: (sighs) John, I wanna look
0: down, we're getting into summertime. Of course, we're starting to see the tropics heat up. As you look out here for the the short term, do we get any tropical weather systems that start to impact our weather here across the uh, the continental US?
6: Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting over the last six or seven years, we've had the tropical season start early. Typically, um, you know, the official start from the National Hurricane Center is June 1st, but we've seen a May tropical system well i think the last six straight years and uh you know the american gfs model does have something brewing in the gulf of mexico here next week uh it's been the only model to do it but it does have something in there and so we'll have to watch that and see if it actually comes uh to fruition but yeah six the last six seasons have had something happen before june first and we might be on track for the seventh in a row
0: all right so we're still a little early it sounds like to make that determination quite yet we'll probably pick your brain on that next week as we start to get a little more confirmation but go just a little bit north of the gulf of mexico into the delta region the southeastern united states i know they have been wet 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 john what do you see for them in the week ahead
6: they had been wet and last week was a uh, much drier a lot, a lot of areas in the southeast uh the eastern carolinas and southern georgia they've actually had some drought uh it's pretty much the only area east of the Mississippi River that's been dealing with drought here um, since probably the, the, the middle of, of April. And, um, you know, they just keep going, kind of waffling in and out of it uh, every so often. Uh, but you're right, the rest of the Delta and and the rest of the southeast has been very wet. Um, it's going to be drier this week, though. A lot of the activity, the, the stuff I was talking about uh, happening earlier this week is going to go on across the north in the, in the Corn Belt. Um, the system that does go through late this week, that so will go through them with more showers and thunderstorms. So they'll get they'll get a period there, but it's not going to be uh, probably as widespread as up and up in the Midwest. So uh, more scattered clusters and stuff that that move through. Some some areas may get missed in there.
0: All right, John, you mentioned there at the start when you were doing the global roundup about the challenges still present down in South America. Has that rain not come back at all in that central Brazil region? Is that corn crop still just suffering in the dry?
6: For the most part, yes. Uh, That front that I talked about that went through, it did get some isolated showers to some of these areas uh, in central Brazil, and that continues here today. But they're very, very spotty, so they're not very helpful at all. Um, I mean, moist, some, some of these areas have not had a drop of rain in the last two months, so, you know, getting uh, a quarter inch of rain is not really going to help too much. Uh, the damage for the most part has been done, especially with most of the crop here in the pollination and grain fill stages. So, um, it, yeah, the, the, the drought continues even with, you know, even in drought, you know, when we get drought in uh, parts of the U.S., it still rains at times. Um, if, if we get a strong enough cold front to move far enough into Brazil, they get some showers at times too, but uh, I mean, you know, outside of that one shot, we've got nothing coming up for the rest of the, for the foreseeable future, at least. And, uh, I right, yeah, mentioned so frost down in South, uh, Southern Brazil are, are still the main concern this week.
0: Thinking about Brazil, as this rainy season comes to an end and the dry season gets started, does next year's planting season, getting started in the fall, does that start fresh? Do they assume 0% carryover soil moisture from this year, or is the detriment in the rainfall falling this year going to have an impact come this fall when they plant that first crop?
6: For southern Brazil, it definitely has an impact, uh, and there's some carryover moisture that they, they kind of bank on a little bit. But for central Brazil, it's basically bone dry. And when you have temperatures in the 90s for five straight months with no rain, there's basically no soil moisture to go off of. So that's why they really have to uh, start up with that uh, the start of the wet season before they really get into any planting, unless they're doing some irrigation. But uh, yeah, most, for, for most areas, they, they really start uh, on that, uh, the first rains that come with the wet season. And that's what they uh, use for their soil moisture.
0: Gotcha. All right, that makes sense. Well, we'll continue to watch the developments down there as we watch the focus continue to turn greater and greater levels towards the United States. And what's happening in our growing season, we'll be checking in each week with John Baranek of DTN Weather. John, thank you so much for joining us today.
6: Thanks for having me on, Mike. Always a good time talking with
0: you. Indeed, and folks, stick with us. Jackie Fatka, the policy editor at Farm Progress, will join us in segment three. We're going to talk about some of the big announcements from the Biden administration last Friday. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex. Premium diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for a round the table brought to you by CHS as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you. And we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co op owners get more value every day. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
4: I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving... Remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
7: You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, we continue to see wheat prices lead the grain complex sharply higher after India announced their ban on wheat exports here over the weekend. We did come off our highs, though, in wheat overnight, and we're hovering below the highs here in our morning trade soy complex backing off a little bit here as well start to see some pressure in bean oil while corn futures remain elevated as well overall the ags traded sharply higher overnight into this morning as we see the food-based commodities receiving a lot of hype and money flow on food security concerns we also saw speculators last week reduce their net longs in corn and soybean futures, uh, raising bullish bets on wheat instead. One has to wonder if that dynamic will remain here as we work through this week. Now, this afternoon's crop progress report is expected to show rapid planting progress last week at some central and eastern portions of the corn belt, thanks to hot, dry weather that prevailed across the region. Some areas reported that it took a day or two longer to dry the soils than they expected, but significant progress was accomplished. Things will likely slow down a bit this week but we should see continued planting progress minus the northwestern corn belt the northern plains still drying out from all the excessive moisture and more in the forecast for the northern plains thursday and friday Numbers on the board right now, July core 19 higher at eight and a quarter. July soybeans up eight, 16.54 and a half. Bean meal for July at 4.10 a ton, 4.13.40. July bean oil down 58 points, 83.21. Chicago wheat, July 59 higher, 12.36 and a half. July Kansas City wheat up 61 at a quarter, 13.43 at a quarter. July spring wheat up 48 and three quarters, 13.73 at three quarters. Hogs are higher June up 225, 103 even. Live cattle for June up 42, 132.50. Feeder cattle from May down 60, 157.27. Crude oil up 15 cents, 110.64. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen.
4: 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 180, over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell. Everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
1: Keeping America's farmers and
0: ranchers informed
1: on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson.
0: Welcome back to AOA. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Pearson here with you. And we're going to be talking with Jackie Fatka. She's the policy editor at Farm Progress. And Jackie, Friday, the Biden administration made a couple of key personnel announcements. Could you talk to us first about the new undersecretary for trade and ag affairs at USDA?
5: Sure. You know, it's always fun when USDA uh, drops these announcements, White House drops these announcements about 4, 30, 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. And, um, you know, there are eight undersecretary positions at USDA. Four of them have been confirmed. Uh, two of them are still waiting for a uh, full nomination hearings and confirmation in the Senate. And now we've got two more. So the big one that everybody's been waiting for was the USDA trade undersecretary, which that's Been nominated to uh, Alexis Taylor, who's no uh, stranger to USDA and especially uh, building ag exports around. And so, a lot of widespread praise for her. She's an Iowa native herself, but she's actually currently the director of Oregon's Department of Agriculture. Um, So, she spent some time on Capitol Hill working for some different congressional members. She spent some time at USDA under the previous Phil Sack administration. So uh, obviously she should she should be a good good person to put in that role. And then um, another the last uh, USDA undersecretary position to be nominated is the Food and Nutrition and Consumer Services, and that is for Stacy Dean, who's actually the current deputy in that position. So both of those will require Senate confirmation. And and as I said, you know there's eight USDA undersecretary positions. Four of them have been confirmed. Uh, two had already been nominated, but they hadn't actually gotten through. And so these are those last two. To to try to get them across the finish line.
0: So as we prepare for a Senate vote here on both of these names, with Alexis Taylor, the new U.S. Uh, USDA Trade Undersecretary, has there been any pushback, or what has been the response from the ag community?
5: Yeah, no, lots of praise, lots of praise for her. um And you know, this is a fairly new Undersecretary position. Uh, Ted McKinney was who held this position under the Purdue administration, and it was actually this trade post was created actually during the uh, 2014 Farm Bill, and and really because the Secretary, former Secretary Joe Hans, when he became a senator, you know, he felt like his time at USDA that he definitely, the, the need to have some focus specifically on trade and exports was important. And so they created that and actually, they they had to eliminate the rural development one because some of the wording required that you had to only have seven undersecretaries. So they kind of shifted things around, and then they've actually added back the rural development one. And um, and so yeah, I don't expect there to be a lot of pushback. Um, I think if anything, it's just being able to find time to do the hearing and actually getting a vote on the floor. So that's that's the only thing I've heard. I don't anticipate this being something that would. Slow, slow her down. Um, it's just a matter of the process and sometimes the longer process than we're used to um, on Capitol Hill.
0: Yes. And it's interesting with Alexis's nomination. We've got a situation we don't see very often in D.C., which is that the previous person in her role, Ted McKinney, has actually come out and backed her. So this is a nominee from a totally different party. Ted McKinney has come out and said, quote, We know director Taylor's passion for seeking market opportunities for American farmers, ranchers and food producers of all types, her previous experience at USDA, her character and her deep understanding of how regulations across the globe matter for individuals in our communities. Will benefit all Americans. So it really sounds like a unified front to get Alexis across the finish line. Jackie, is that your uh, understanding?
5: Definitely. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of she's worked as a career staffer at USDA. And so, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up in the R's and D's behind people's names. But at the end of the day, she's um, shown that she can work across the law, uh, you know, work across both party lines. Um, even though she worked for some, she worked for Senator Max Baucus before, she's worked for some Iowa representatives. Um, Democrats. And so, you know, this, but she also got praise from Senator Chuck Grassley, who's also a Republican from her home state. And so um, I do think that everybody could benefit from having another loud um, advocate for U.S. ag exports. And, you know, that was another comment that came in too. You know, as we go into the farm bill, there's going to be a lot of hope to have some more money for some of those trade components at USDA and, and how to fund that. And so, you know, she would have a good um, experience of working on Capitol Hill and also helping, you know, bridge that discussion between USDA and those on Capitol Hill on how to to try to find some more money to expand ag exports around the world.
7: So
0: the other name that came out on Friday, as you mentioned, Jackie, was Stacy Dean getting a promotion to the undersecretary position. Has there been much response to her announcement as of yet?
5: No, not a lot of people. um, But, you know, she's been uh, people have probably been seeing a lot about infant formula and some of the concerns with being able to secure infant formula and USDA within the you know their WIC program, the Women's Infant and Children program. You know they they help secure some of that, and so she's been she's been kind of the key point person on that as well. Um, I, You know sometimes these positions don't get a lot of fanfare, and and this food and nutrition one is probably one of those. Obviously everybody's been waiting for this the trade undersecretary post, but maybe not everyone is um, near as anxious about the the food and nutrition one, but obviously something still very important. Um, A lot of nutrition funding goes out from USDA. Um, So I I don't have a a big indication of whether she would go one way or the other. I do know that Senator Stabenow, who is the um, chairman of the SENAG, which would be the one who would be conducting the hearing on her nomination, um, did give her praise. And so um, we'll, we'll see how that goes through the process and how fast it goes through the process.
0: All right. Well, the Senate hearings are underway in a lot of different regards as Congress is in session. And last week, Jackie, the Senate Appropriations Committee held a hearing and and, uh, Secretary Vilsack spoke at it about disaster aid. Do you have an update on the money that's there and, and when it could be coming out?
5: Yeah, a lot of people have been waiting for the $10 billion that was approved last end of last 2021 on the WIP Plus. Uh, And so this would be anyone who suffer losses from disasters in 2020 and 21. And Vilsack said that they should be getting checks out here in June. Um, One thing that they're trying to do is really simplify and streamline that process. So if people had already had crop insurance or other Um, documentation that had been able to prove that they were impacted by a disaster, that hopefully that they would have a simplified process and that money could get out sooner. You know, that's one of the challenges with disasters uh, and, and being able to adequately recognize a disaster and uh, being able to get money out, you know, sometimes it does take a a couple of years. And so that is something that I I really do anticipate as Congress looks at the next Farm Bill of of how to address disasters. And that was one thing that he asked congressional members when he was there before the Senate members of, you know, make sure that if you want to have a disaster program to provide enough flexibility that we can be able to adjust it when different things happen and um and being able to get those resources out as quickly as possible um and so you know this this is a follow up there was also some money in the livestock the livestock program the livestock did actually have some of those payments went out in may and so we're seeing this this will be coming soon and um and hopefully being able to adjust for some of those smaller disasters that maybe weren't the huge wildfire. But, you know, Senator Jerry Morin for Moran from Kansas had asked about a wildfire fire and 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 how to make sure that that may not be a, a specific disaster that was covered. But how does USDA also provide some of those ad hoc dollars for those kind of more small or you know, in Iowa, there's been a lot of tornadoes who have come through, or or now derechos that we we are are seeing more of. And so, how do you adjust the disaster programs to do that? And so, that's an ongoing discussion, and I think we're going to hear even more about it.
0: All right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to have a you know a small disaster isn't a small disaster if it hits your farm, then it's right. a big disaster for exactly. you jackie the meat industry under fire again specifically the large meat packers a house select subcommittee recently reviewed their actions and found them wanting didn't it during the coronavirus pandemic
5: you know this is one of those um is it a witch hunt or not you know i think when we look back at 2020 everybody was swirling when um March, April hit. And obviously the meat, the meat sector was hit hard by COVID. Um, Gosh, I remember hearing all those calls, we had call after call. And, um, you know, this, this report does question whether those companies were uh, acting, acting as they should when those in those early days. And if you remember back, uh, the, the very early part of that, the Trump administration did put out an executive order to try to keep open those meat plants. And, um, and this report does question, you know, was that done at the expense of worker health? Was that done for corporate profit? Um, And, you know, the, the meat Institute did, did counter some of these reports of, you know, everybody was figuring out how to manage. And we all know from the farm sector if we would have gone much longer with a lot of those plants completely closed, um, you know, the hogs that were backing up, the the inability to process animals could have been much worse. And so, you know, sometimes when you see these reports, you, you hope that they reveal a light that actually can provide some lessons of how can we change. Unfortunately, when I read the report, it was a lot more finger pointing and not a lot of constructive criticism of how can we make sure that this doesn't happen again? And how can we evolve and, and change and, and make some adjustments if we were to see this exact same play out? Um, and, and that's that's sometimes what happens when you have a partisan type congressional report. I mean, this is a staff report. This is not a, a government report from a third party or something that uh, allows it to be objective. And so I, I will I will put that out there of, you know, this is a report and there were some concerning things in that report, but what's the motive behind the report is also important to think about.
0: Right. It certainly generates a lot of headlines, but those were confusing times back when COVID first started and everybody was really thrown for a loop. Jackie Fatka, the policy editor at Farm Progress, thanks for joining us here on AOA Today. Always great. And folks, stick around. We'll have more AOA when we return. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration. Independence changes your entire life.
8: So many eye disorders can be treated if caught
4: early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that.
0: Make a plan today to get your eyes checked.
1: Visit BrightFocus.org to learn more.
8: Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit rfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite.
3: Hi, I'm Smokey Bear and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires.
8: Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it?
4: Yes, good job.
8: So what should I do with all these coals?
4: Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire.
8: I understand. The stakes are high.
4: Ha, 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 ha.
8: Learn more at SmokyBear.com.
4: Brought to you by the US Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
1: Smart stays on the road. That's why it's in your engine, because you wouldn't settle for subpar performance. Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. These premium oils maintain 80% of their viscosity throughout the drain interval for superior engine performance across extreme temperatures. That horizon looks good with the competition behind you. Senex Maxtron Diesel Engine Oils. Oil that runs smart. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to
0: boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but
1: incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops.
0: They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil as you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on
1: to um sorry <clears throat> that's soil fleet juma. <laughs> visit your local usda natural resources conservation service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health this message brought to you by usda and this radio station
4: farming has gotten so complex you need another you just to keep up with it all you'll come close when you work with your fs crop specialist they know your growing conditions and your land, working for you season to season, helping fine-tune decisions to ensure a healthy ROI. And they're constantly in training to learn about the latest in seed selection, crop protection, and nutrient management. Plus, they're achieving certification standards that exceed the industry. Contact your local FS crop specialist to learn more. FS, bringing you what's next.
0: Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. Wrong. agriculture of america is brought to you by Senex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils oils that run smart
1: keeping america's farmers and ranchers informed on aoa now back to mike pearson
0: Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you joining us for the program today. Lots of data is coming out right now. There are really large concerns about the overall health of the broader economy. As we think and talk about agriculture, of course, we're seeing very high commodity prices for the goods that we produce and sell. And we're also seeing those very high sticky input prices. And in ag, it's functioning kind of as a push. We're seeing our margins shrink down from where they were in 2021 as an industry, as a sector, but by and large, unless really the wheels come off this car, things look okay for 2022. However, when we move outside the ag economy, or really the commodity production economy to the rest of the economy, all they're seeing folks are higher prices. They're seeing those higher input prices, those higher energy prices, and the risk of a broad market recession is starting to rise. In fact, these conversations are now happening at a very high level. Yesterday on Face the Nation, Lloyd Blankfein, former CEO of Goldman Sachs, he's been retired now several years, He believes the economy is at the risk of going into a recession and he said quote recession is a very very high risk factor that was highlighted again today we got some fresh data coming out of china and it was a really a whole slug of information coming from the chinese government again Take it with a grain of salt. I think that is always solid advice when we're discussing data published by the Chinese government. But it is being traded and the market is watching it and apparently putting some sort of faith into it. And the news out of China, folks, isn't great. Industrial output for the month of April fell 2.9% from a year ago. Retail sales in that country down 11.1%. That was weaker almost twice as weak as analysts were expecting. They were predicting a 6.6% drop. And the unemployment rate climbed in China to 6.1%. And the jobless rate for youth, and I'm not entirely sure how they classify that. Is it under 18, under 21? Done some looking and haven't found a good answer but uh, that unemployment rate is now at a record level and investors have been responding we've been seeing this trade play out all morning chinese and european stocks are down big on a lot of this news And it could be intensified tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 Central. Our very own Uncle Sam releases their retail sales data for the month of April. And as of right now, economists are truly divided. They anticipate retail sales to stay strong. Consumers do still have some dry cash at hand, some dry powder, so to speak. But the American consumer is switching their purchasing away from goods, and that's what's measured in retail sales. That's the the sale of finished products to consumers. And they're taking, they're moving our dollars back into services. As the economy continues to reopen, we should see less spending on goods and more spending on services as people go back out to bars and restaurants and get their hair cut and all of those sorts of things. And that should help pull down the inflation rate at least on goods and services however there's another factor and this one's not a shock to i'm guessing a lot of the folks tuning in right now as we're thinking about goods and services sales. And one reason we might see retail sales decline on tomorrow's report is that a huge function or a huge segment of the cost of a retail sold good is transportation, getting it from the factory where the widget's made to the store or the Amazon or the shipping fulfillment facility, wherever it is that it needs to get to, it costs a decent amount of money to get the product to that place. And that cost isn't breaking very much. I do have good news for those of you driving diesel today. We didn't set a record high average price for diesel across the country today. That record sticks yesterday, May 15th, 2022. The average price of diesel was 5 dollars fifty-six and a half cents. and a half cents today. That has backed off just about a nickel and we're talking average nationwide average price of diesel at 551 and a half. Now, for some of you, those prices could be a lot higher. If you are listening to this program and you are on the east coast of the United States, chances are the prices you're paying for diesel are significantly higher than that. And that's going to continue. About a week ago, we spoke with Darren Domi on the program, the managing partner at the Powerline Group, and he emphasized the importance of the diesel shipping out of the Northeast. Of course, New York Harbor is one of the main repositories for diesel, and the distillate stocks in that harbor have been declining to record low levels. The downside is there isn't yet a good way to get fuel from the place that has plenty of it, which would be the central part of the United States, refineries along the Gulf Coast, get that to the Northeast. There's not enough way to hedge that price risk to put that diesel in the pipeline to the Northeast. So what's happening instead, and this was reported out by Freight Waves on Friday, trucking companies in the Eastern, or excuse me, Western and Central parts of the United States are filling up their trucks with fuel in order to head to the East. And they're basically wildcatting fuel into that northeastern market, and the downside is there does not appear to be any structural shift happening anytime soon. John Kemp, who is an energy market analyst with Reuters, says there are two ways we can break this diesel demand price move. We can see less demand from consumers, but that doesn't really spur a lot of price movement, or we can see a recession. And he believes a recession is going to be the only way we can get these diesel stocks back up to where they were pre-pandemic. So, folks, keep your head on a swivel out there. While I believe the ag industry looks pretty solid here heading into the future, the rest of the economy might be facing some struggles as this year proceeds to move forward. One other thing that highlights perhaps some... Bad economic news coming. The New York State Manufacturing Index contracted in May. This was the second contraction in three months, and it was down pretty substantially. The Business Conditions Index in New York State dropped over 36 points to a minus 11.6. That's the worst we've seen since the start of the pandemic. So concerns about slowing down economic data are all over the place. Over the next several weeks, we'll get more reports from the Commerce Department. We'll get regional reports from the Federal Reserve's bank's sprinkled out across the country. And we'll take a look at all of those as they come in in order to better gauge how could demand look from consumers as this year moves into the summertime. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. Tomorrow on the program, we're gonna be talking to Corey Rosenbroom of the Fertilizer Institute about issues developing in that market. And Quill Robinson of the American Conservation Coalition will join us to walk through what was announced with the Department of Justice office of environmental justice so tune in on Tuesday to AOA thanks for listening everybody have a great week agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex premium diesel diesel that doesn't mess around get it slip it, it, check
1: talk to doctor now and share
4: I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day.
1: I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner.
4: I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy to remember steps. It starts with a monitor.
7: Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down.
4: Get
0: it, slip it, it check it. Talk to doctor now and share
4: it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association in partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration.